Welcome to Fright Night Minute, a daily podcast where we discuss the original 1985 horror movie, Fright Night, one minute at a time. I'm Robin. I'm Len. This is Minute 44 of Fright Night. It begins with Peter finding his mirror and ends with Jerry chatting on the phone. Something strange in the neighborhood. Who you gonna call? Um, This is where Peter is reminded of Orgy of the Damned and says he still has his mirror prop. And he yeah, he pulls this little cigarette case out or, you know, it's just a little pocket mirror, a gold-plated pocket mirror. And I just love this little moment of, like, Peter caught... I, I think he's just kind of vulnerable here. These kids, you know, might kind of save him from the detritus of his life at this moment, yeah. you know? I'm assuming maybe he's thinking it akin to, like, you know, the Ghostbusters working at a birthday party or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But he immediately, like, takes them into confidence. And I just love... I just love this kind moment where he just kind of comes over and, you know, like quietly, like, look at this, you know, this is, I've, I have this on me. And it's, it is kind of funny that it, it's in the smoking jacket. Like, yeah. I just happen to have this right on me. But I just watched this moment and I, I, I just have to imagine this is the kind of guy that Roddy McDowell actually is. Just a sweet, kind guy. Sure. Chris Sarandon says that he was kind of a Yoda on the set. William Regsdale says he had his video camera on his shoulder and he was shooting like family movies the whole time. I'm not sure if we talked about this before, but cast and crew recall Roddy videotaping extensive on-set behind-the-scenes footage. Nobody saw the tapes. Nobody knows where the tapes are. However, with further research, I found that they were willed to Boston University. I think there's a place called the Howard Gottlieb Archival Research Center at Boston University that has a whole archive of Roddy's personal and professional uh, letters, manuscripts, screenplays, magazines, uh, a postcard collection, uh, sheet music, audio recordings of just Roddy talking to famous people, like interviewing them, radio shows he loved to listen to that he just kind of kept recordings of, much like Peter Vincent's souvenirs from his many different roles. Allegedly, the box, the big box, is there, which just makes me go, how the hell did eBay get the get the get the jacket? <laughs> right. Why did that get out? Must, somebody must somebody else must have gotten a hold of it. He must have not have taken the jacket with him, or maybe right. there are several several versions of the jacket. Yeah, uh, maybe could be. that. Yeah, sure. But yeah. Um, the, well, when's the Roddy documentary going to happen with all that stuff, or, or like museum uh, installation? I, I, you know, and I don't know, and it. it the last thing they say on this archival page is they have a col- a collection of 16 millimeter films, and that's all they say about them. And I just have to think they're just like hours of just Roddy hanging out in the set of Fright Night talking to people. Can you imagine? So I wonder what the rule is to be able to see that stuff. If the documentary was made and they mentioned those tapes and not being able to get a hold of them. Yeah, I don't know. I gotta say, if we have listeners in Boston, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe people that go to Boston University, because allegedly, you know, according to the website, you can get in there and view different things, maybe for research purposes. Hmm. You know, I don't know if they let a couple of Fright Night podcasters from Vermont go in there, but it might be worth the drive. Yeah, it sounds like a 
But if you are a, a listener that you live in Boston or maybe you go to Boston University, or if you're just familiar with the Howard Gottlieb Archival Research Center, um, we'd love to know if there's a way to get at these. Because it's not just us. It's like the cast wants to get a hold of these films to, to, to see yep. what Roddy had put together, you know? It's just it's so crazy that they're there. And I don't know. I don't know if there's been a serious effort to look into that or if people just kind of like talked about it like oh yeah i i hear they're they're there or i hear that they're around and uh who knows you know <laughs> again there's just this kind gentle old man you know confiding in ed and amy and i love just their reaction they're now they're all smiles like ed is just like so happy and amy is of course happy because peter's helping and he's such a sweet guy peter's gonna save the day he's gonna help cure charlie <laughs> right and another like kind of fun thing to look for when you're um, looking at this minute again is as he holds the the mirror open, you get this real quick shot. Not you know not like it's not close up, but you can see it from seeing the model. They hit him open the mirror, and you can see Ed's smiling face reflected in the mirror. And hmm. it's got to be on purpose, right? Like they got to like go look this kid who looks kind of. <laughs> Creepy? His his reflections in the mirror, I wonder. Yeah, it's foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah. Ed passes the test so far. (laughs) So uh, we go to Doc Brown's... Exactly. <laughs> no, we're 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 at the Dandridge house, and it's all clocks, and it is funny. It's it's the the movies are the same year. It's not like anybody's paying an homage to anybody else. It's just clocks are very important to uh, Dr. Emmett Scott for time, and of course, vampires need to make sure they know when it's safe to come out. Right. <laughs> and I love the. I mean, there's so many like little decorative clocks. And and I love the little addition of the little cuckoo clock, you know, in the middle of it all, just a little, little cuckoo coming out. I can't imagine how annoying those things are, though, in real life. <laughs> like, I wonder if you could set the cuckoo clock not to go off during the night. So do you think that Billy spends his entire day setting all those clocks? <laughs> I'm assuming he's got to wind every one of those. He's got to pay attention to when the, sun's, uh, the sunset is, you know, every day. <laughs> By 30 seconds or a minute or whatever. And he's every day. That's part of his morning routine. Yep. So it is six o'clock according to the clocks. And this is the, the, all the chimes go off to, to wake a little certain someone, but also we have a phone ringing and boy, this phone looks familiar. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the same, the same color as the other ones we've seen, but it is the exact same model that radio shack phone. They probably got like 10 for, you know, a (laughs) hundred dollars. Of course, this is the vampire home, so it is a black phone. And next to the phone is a heaping bowl of fruit. Yep. And I just love it. Again, it's much like the clocks. Billy takes care of the boss. You know, he's got his bowl of fruit there. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess the phone must be there just in case he wants to call any, uh, you know, escorts. Late in the evening? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so the phone's ringing right along with the clocks, and Billy answers it and hands the phone off to a, a very sleepy Joey. <laughs> And I just love the idea of a vampire just coming out of his coffin, just like the rest of us. Just kind of rolling out of bed, you know, just not quite with it, uh, stretching, a little yawn coming out. But one thing I found wrong with this. Can you stop? Why is he coming down the stairs? Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, sure. He uh, he should be sleeping in the basement. Right, right. I don't know. Maybe the bathroom's upstairs. I was like, maybe he like kind of stumbles up, maybe like, you know, 10 of, <laughs> walks up brushes his fangs 
in front of that giant window. (laughs) (laughs) In the script, according to the script, he's coming out of the attic. I don't Uh, know if his coffin's there, but uh, he's coming out of the attic when he's... And and I'm assuming that means that in the script, in this whatever, this earlier version, perhaps, uh, they put the coffin of the vampire in the attic, which seems like a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) Or... It's just that this was a really great shot. Yeah. And continuity or logic was out the window. It's not as fun seeing the vampire thump thump up the, the, the stairs coming through the door. There's better right. to see him coming down those, that grand staircase. Of all the places to put the coffin, it's not closest to the sun. Right. <laughs> and you've got that gigantic window at the top of the stairs where it's like, do you really want to tempt this? <laughs> Uh, I'm surprised that window is not painted over. You know, obviously stained glass is some bit of paint, but yeah. So I love this. He's coming down the stairs. He's handed the phone, and also Billy tosses Jerry an orange at the same time. Is it an orange or is it a peach? It is an orange. I yeah. liked because Jerry immediately gets to peeling it. Right. He makes a really um, – <clears throat> when he's on the phone, he makes a really kind of funny face. He's a, he's a natural actor, man. You know what I mean? Like, you don't really think that he's acting. You don't think about the fact that he's an actor. Yeah. I buy that he's just this. Or even a vampire. Like, he's just gotten up and he's on the phone. He's got the orange. He's like, what? What's up? Get him out of my day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. I I wrote down, uh, he may be a fruit bat that bites through the core of an apple, but he has no time for orange peels. (laughs) Get those out of here. (laughs) I also, you know, I just naturally assumed it was always apples with Jerry. And, you know, watching this minute more more closely, you know, it's an orange. And he yeah. eats other fruit. It's, he's eating all sorts of fruit. Well, it's the apple that stands out the most. And, you know, it's pretty oh, iconic. Yeah. And so that's why I think that. But uh, it's just so funny seeing just Jerry, the centuries-old vampire, you know, who's been through, like, you know, centuries of just, like, you know, romance and murder and she probably burned a town down at one time and just, like, been through so much. And he's just, like, one of us, man. He's just chatting on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> this cool sweater. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. The, the cardigan over his uh, – is he just wearing PJs, like a full <laughs> – <laughs> Again, it's just the the one sided phone call of this this just regular Joe. Just like I see why. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, I'm always, and, and then it kind of cuts off with I'm always. I'm always what? We'll find out tomorrow. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we're we're we've gotten up with Jerry. Everything's good. We're getting a little bit of fruit. Waking up, ready for the night. See what the night holds for us. Uh, but uh, I think for right now, we'll, we'll put a stake in this one. And uh, we'll tell everybody, uh, follow us on Twitter at Fright Night Men. Send your feedback to Fright Night Minute at gmail.com. And please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, I'm Robin. I'm Lynn. Thanks for listening. Have a fright night, everyone. He's a vampire. A what? <laughs> <laughs> You're so-